Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Welcome to Basic Folk, a podcast where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. I'm your host, Cindy House. We are live at Club Passim this week with the podcast. Alisa Amador is our guest. And before we get into exactly what we talk about, let's hear from our sponsors on Basic Folk. Basic Folk is supported by Tina and Her Pony. If you like fresh takes on traditional music, you might like Tina and Her Pony. Follow them on Spotify or at Tina and Her Pony. Alisa Amador grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, surrounded by the influence of her parents' Latin group Sol y Canto. Basically, she's playing around with all sorts of genres, but she's managed to cultivate a warm sound that includes sounds like folk, jazz, blues, soul, and Latin. Uh, One thing so apparent about these laid-back, warm songs is their similarities to the human that is writing and performing them. Elisa talks about growing up with her twin sister in the pre-iPad era when she was on tour with her parents riding in the minivan, uh, trying to find ways to entertain themselves, which included a fun yelling game that the bass player made up called La Orquesta. Elisa also talks about the life-changing experience of traveling to Buenos Aires to visit her 96-year-old grandfather. There she met some area musicians who completely changed everything for her. She's a wonderful storyteller, and listening to her talk about her history and her songs was an extremely heart-opening experience. I very much enjoyed talking to her, and I hope you enjoy her music in getting to know this lovely person, Alisa Amador. This show was recorded live at Club Passim. Thanks to the club and thanks to Matt Smith for hooking us up. Also, if you listened to the podcast last week, you heard that my dad... Uh, opened the evening and played the Basic Folk theme song on accordion. And I wanted to play it again because it's so good. And then we'll get into our conversation and live music from Elisa Amador. Welcome to the stage, Elisa Amador. So while Elisa plays, I'm going to sit up here and just stare at her like this. Good. Hey. How's it going? So good. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Thank you all for being here. 
Oh, yeah. So excited that you're here tonight. And this is like the first time I've ever done this. So there's going to be some awkward moments. And is this the first time you've ever done like a public interview? Yes. All right. So welcome <laughs> to the awkward set. Um, Elisa Amador, you are very interesting. And I don't even know you. Look at you. Uh, you grew up singing in your parents' Latin band, Sol y Canto. Very good pronunciation. Oh, yes. Well, high school Spanish really coming in handy. Uh, shout out to my mom who made me take Spanish. That's right. Can you give an idea of what that was like for, for you growing up in a band? Hmm. It's kind of hard to conceptualize what it isn't like since that's how I grew up. But I can tell you that it was a lot of time in a minivan. <laughs> and, and a lot of time in, in a lot of green rooms inventing games with all of the coffee cups and stirrers and free sugar packets. <laughs> oh, that must have been good. <laughs> and a lot of incredible music, incredible live music. And Can we go back to the people. minivan? For a <laughs> yeah, minute? sure. Do you want to know what kind? Honda, yes. Honda Odyssey. Yes. Wow. Of course. The room likes that. From like not 2000. So what time period was this? Was this before, like, iPads and stuff? Oh, uh, yes. What were you doing as a young child in the car? Oh, well, okay, so Mad Libs, obviously. And also uh, one bass player in the band from Cuba, Carlos, invented a really great game. My mother's in the audience, and she knows exactly what I'm talking Sorry, about. Laughing. The poor woman <laughs> had to endure this game that Carlos invented for me and my twin, um, which was called La Orquesta. That means orchestra in Spanish. And the orchestra had two instruments. It was me and my twin, Zia. And uh, we did one thing, which was scream. <laughs> and, and the bass player was the conductor and would control the volume level of the scream. And that, that kept us entertained for hours in the minivan. But my parents could bear only about five minutes. So, so we kept it at five, but we were ready to keep screaming for a long time. But. That's, wow. But it did, te you know... Who was driving? Uh, mostly my dad, Brian, bless him. Mm. A lot of hours in the car. But, but something good about that screaming orchestra was that it did teach us to follow orders <laughs> because the conductor told us what to do. He was like raising his yeah, hand, lowering raise it, and then... Oh, this would mean stop. So that sounds really fun. Yeah. So so we knew how to stop. We knew how to, we loved starting, but we also knew how to stop and control. My mom ourselves. is in the audience, and she babysits my two nephews. Does that sound like a fun game? Yeah. <laughs> sounds. Yeah. As long as you have some earplugs, I think yeah. it's great. If you're not in a minivan, it's probably better <laughs> outdoors. <laughs> so how safer. do you how do you think performing with your mom and dad affected your connection to them, and then also to music? Oh, man, are you going to bring out all the tearjerkers tonight? <laughs> Do you have tissues, Matt? Do, yeah, Do you have I'm, club tissues? I think I'll be okay, but I know that one of the most important things that being raised by my parents taught me is just how you see when people first enter a concert and they're all shy, kind of disconnected, reserved. And after a concert, everyone is so open and just ready to connect with each other. And that is so powerful, the fact that music does that, that live music 
can open your heart like that and make you see each other and see yourself and and really heal. I I just think it's it's one of the few pieces of magic that we have on earth. So the way that music catalyzes community is that was the strongest lesson that my parents taught me. It's beautiful. Would you play a song for us? Sure. This song is called Blood Beats. Products of thoughts, be they good or they bad, it's the truth that they feed. All of this mess trapped inside of your chest, it's emotion. Locked in this brain is a quiet refrain to embrace all the chaos within. Centuries of wisdom Can make you so blind Your blood beats the rhythm To the answers you'll find All of the years Let them pass on through And all of the fears Let them pass through you And all of the love left out in the cold Let them go oh, 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 
Let them pass on through And all of the fears Let them pass through you And all of the love Left out in the cold That is a song called Blood Beats. Yes. And when listening to that song and like really looking at the lyrics, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like there is a conflict with wisdom versus heart or something else. There's definitely a, a conflict between wisdom and the heart. I wrote this song in my last year of college studies. And when I was in university, I had to read a lot. <laughs> I had to write a lot. I had to think a lot, and it was easy to get lost in all of that and forget about what was just right in front of me. I'm so grateful for everything I studied and everything that I read and all of those papers, as many tears as I cried over them, but I'm grateful for all of that. And at the same time, I witnessed a lot of a, lot of a disconnect between what I was studying and learning how to be respectful in the world and what I was witnessing at the college campus. It's like a reality did not apply to yeah. what you were learning. E- yes, it's like in the classroom, I was learning all, ab- all about these incredible intersectional feminist authors and gender theory and, and just really powerful, beautiful writing that really deconstructs power hierarchies in the United States and in the world and and then just seeing them all reconstructed in the dining hall every day was exhausting. <laughs> and that d- school dances, I mean, forget it. So, so I wrote this song in part um, trying to heal myself from that pain of seeing, seeing uh, such terrible cultural norms in a college campus over and over again every day. And I also wrote it because I really believe in our ability to be respectful and loving. And I think that it is a, a pulse that pulses through all of us and that people get distanced from it because they're afraid. But um, So this song I sing to heal myself, but I also hope it heals you all and I hope it helps you to remember that, that it's your thoughts that can really shape a culture into one of love and respect. So to just talk about it a little bit more... If you couldn't get gather that from the an- the answer, um, Elisa was a, w- a women and gender studies major at Bates College in Maine, and I'm wondering if you can just based on your answer to that question, kind of like set the scene for us. And do you think maybe your perspective would be different had you gone to a more like urban camp? Is was it I, like tell me what the campus was like? Sure. <laughs> So first, I should say that this, the label of the major has been changed to gender and sexuality studies because women is a binary term and we're studying gender, which is non-binary, outside of a binary and fluid. So, so the women and gender got chucked by halfway through my college career, <laughs> but it's still labeled women and gender on my diploma, which is frustrating. But anyway... Gender and sexuality studies. Um, and I studied at Bates College up in Maine. It was a, a campus in Lewiston, Maine, uh, like three hours north of here. It's a really 
very humbling place to live because this this school was very it's quite wealthy and has really great buildings and everything is so nice and then you step right outside of the campus and cross the street and and you're surrounded by some buildings that are really run down and and people who are really struggling is Lewiston kind of um I mean I just left Pittsburgh Mm, where there's mm -hmm. areas of Pittsburgh where it seems like a ghost town like boarded up houses and Mm. everything yeah yeah there are parts of Lewiston that are like that more than anything it's it doesn't feel like a ghost town it just it's a tough town it's just a town that's that's struggling but it's also so vibrant um there's so much that's going on underneath the surface of these rundown buildings and the thing is uh, i grew up in cambridge <laughs> i was surrounded by such aesthetically pleasing urban uh, landscape and so i cannot think of one <laughs> boarded up house in cambridge yeah there's not very many and so so it was just it was a really good reality check to grow up there to grow up a few years there and and to also work there i mean i volunteered in an arts therapy program in the library and and got to work with kids who had just moved here from many different places of conflict who were just learning english by drawing drawing the words they wanted to learn and it was just it was really powerful to get to live in a place like that and and i i miss it i actually miss it um, but i'm also very happy to live here Wow, so much in that answer. We're gonna have to sit down again. Yeah, there's a lot. There's yeah, this is. We'll have to have to you unpack back <laughs> on this podcast to talk more about that. But um, can you play us another song? Yes, absolutely. This song is on my first and only EP called Salt. Um, it's called For No Reason, and it's a song that talks about loss and those things you can't explain and how. Turning to nature can help you to accept that. Oh, I should say something before I start. At first, I should clear my throat, but I should also say, I wrote this song in my bedroom as I often write songs, where I often write songs. And um, I'm an identical twin, and, and my next door neighbor's window, which is right next to my window, it was nighttime. And, and I saw through that window two little twins being read to a bedtime story. And that's how I started to write this song, thinking about my own childhood right next door. Without searching 
about um, a particular line in that song when you're talking about, I mean, there's so much nostalgia in that song, and then there's a part in the song where you you meet someone and you talk about your childhood memories, and then you have this line where you're like, now my back is sore. <laughs> That's so badass. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> oh my god. Wow, no one has ever asked me. I, well, I guess the way I thought about it at the time, well, oh, oh, actually, I remember now. My back was literally sore when I was writing the song, first. Second, we t- I mean, I, create, I talk about the image of lying on the leaves and, and telling childhood stories, so the idea is like, like that moment has passed and, and I'm like still... Like we're still laying I'm down still and li- I'm done. Yeah, like I'm lying on the back, on my back, and I'm like tired of rotate. lying on my back and that person's already, they're gone. You know, I'm alone oh. here. It's, it's this idea, I guess. I have never thought about it directly, but, but each line is about finding yourself alone at the end mm. of the story. <laughs> and so looking happy. to nature <laughs> to accompany yourself through this, this acceptance of the cycle of, of loss and... and and growth and all yeah, that. Yeah, can you talk about your connection to nature? Yeah, uh, 
mm, no. <laughs> it's so hard to talk about for me because it's, it's just funny. Like there was a whole outing club culture at Bates uh, that I didn't fit into. I mean, I didn't have like the privilege of having access to like ice climbing and, sh you know, so like <laughs> I didn't fit in. I had never skied. Lord, that, that pass cost so much money. Like, we couldn't do it. I was raised by touring musicians. We, we couldn't even buy the CDs of the musicians we would meet at festivals. Like, <laughs> so, so the outing club was not, you know, that, uh, I didn't go to study in Maine for its incredible nature. I, I didn't know about it or really understand it or have access to it. And at the same time, I think all of us are connected deeply to the earth just just by stepping outside. So so I am no fancy outing person. I don't know how to ice climb. I skied once. It was scary, but fun. But to ground back in to to myself and and to stop sweating the small stuff, I have to just be outside in some way. Yesterday we had a show in Vermont and I calculated our tri trip specifically to have half an hour to swim in a river along the highway. <laughs> Good job. And it saved me. It was that reset that um, I just need from time to time. Like, there are moments where I'm like, I just need to go jump into a river <laughs> or go sit in my backyard. Like, it really doesn't have to be particularly complicated, but when you start to get really lost in your head or lost in social difficulties or emotional difficulties, it's just, it's so great to just mm. just be outside and and. Just be. Remember right. that, that you're doing it right. For the record, has anyone here ever ice climbed? That's a no. <laughs> okay, I feel less bad now. Right. <laughs> we are all in the same non-icy boat. Um, so, Elisa, you went on a very significant trip to Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and how it gave you a stronger sense of the power of music? How do I even begin? So I, uh, my grandfather's from Buenos Aires, so that was what led me to... Uh, on your dad's side? On my mother's side. Mother's side. My, mother, my mother's father is from Buenos Aires, and, and so that, yeah, that led me to deciding to go there for study abroad, because I had access to studying abroad, so I chose a a film studies program in Buenos Aires because it was the most artistic program that existed that would give me uh, credits for school. And I went there and I, and I met these incredible musicians called Mika Ipiñazar and Facundo Parla. And they're both songwriters and unbelievable musicians and people who at the time were running a music school out of their house that they rented outside of the city. And so I would... I would come visit them. We'd play a show together at a bar, and then they'd they'd unfold a cot in one of their classrooms, and that was my room. And I loved it. I was so happy. When I first moved to Buenos Aires, I didn't really know anybody except for my 96-year-old great uncle, who's really that's a good hang. He, yeah, he was. Yeah, he's very eccentric and great. Um, and he actually passed away recently at the age of 98. Um, but he. He had a full and beautiful life and has an insane sense of humor. So he was ridiculous till the end <laughs> and, and wonderful. And, but, you know, it, there's only so much time you can spend with Tio Gordo before you start to feel like an old person, a very old person. 
and um, so so I was very lonely in the beginning, and meeting them changed everything for me. I also had these terrible health complications while I was there, so I felt very, very sad and lonely, and it was a dark time in the beginning. And then I met Mika and Faku, and we started playing together, and I remember that first day that we played together, and I came home from that, and they were like strangers to me. We had been connected by like a mutual, mutual, mutual friend, and and I came home, and I was like, I'm okay. I have community now. I knew two people, and I felt like I was a part of a community, and it just grew from there because they introduced me to all of their colleagues and friends, and they were the first ones to tell me that I should play with a band. And I said, what? People would want to play the songs that I wrote? And they were like, yeah, we do. We want to be your band. And I was like, okay. And they said, cool, all right, so like, what's this date like for the first rehearsal? And I was like, yeah, I'm free, okay. And they said, all right, great, and how about this date for a show? <laughs> like, okay. So, so these people just took this broken broken-hearted, broken person and just helped her put herself back together again through music. And thank you for bearing with me in that story. I'm really not used to talking on a stage for this long. But <laughs> what I wanted to say with all of that story is that something really powerful that they taught me is that we would play these shows and, and most of my music, if not all of my music at the time, was in English. And they didn't care. It was like doesn't matter whether or not we can understand what you're singing like you're singing with all of your heart and you're here so your music is part of this culture and it was a philosophy that I had just not fully understood before that that if you are here you are a part of this if you are here your art is a part of our culture and from then on I've just stopped worrying about genres or all of my identity crises of being a multi cultural person it's like it's all faded away it's like oh I'm me and I'm here and so I'm a part of this just like you are here and you're a part of this so thanks Buenos Aires thanks Mika and Faku <laughs> it's amazing would you play us another song sure this song is called Nada Que Ver which means having nothing to do with something I always wish I, I weren't writing about love but I always end up writing about love so this song in the chorus says I want it to be a drop of honey I want it to last longer than a paper airplane. I want this melody to have nothing to do with your love. That's But a sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I specialize in sick poetic burns. <laughs> But there is hope in the chorus and the bridge. It says, I don't want any more grains of salt as the only memory of having loved. And fire always gives heat until it burns. But there's something about you that makes me want to doubt it all. The song is like very Game of Thrones. <laughs> And you are Khaleesi. <laughs> Dicen que mientes Es la verdad Dicen que cantas Escuchar, quiero saber más de lo que me dicen. Quiero que sea una gota de miel que do 
papel que la melodía tenga nada que ver con tu Is there a difference when you sing in Spanish versus when you sing in English? I don't know. I haven't thought about it very di directly, but it definitely, I mean, I think the audience can probably answer this better than I can. I mean, I think, I think there's a different tonality in my voice when I sing in Spanish. Should we get your mom up here? Yeah, Rosy, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I think I think there's a different tonality in my voice just because of the shape of the words. Yeah, people have said to me that they they really love when I sing in Spanish. <laughs> it's real good. Yeah. Maybe it's also a very they say it's a very emotional language. We are certainly a very emotional people. Um, maybe that's a part of it too. I want to talk about your guitar playing, your guitar playing. 
um, electric guitar versus acoustic guitar? Because it seems as though your parents, I don't know if this is true or not, played a lot of acoustic guitar. But how did you settle on, I am thinking mostly, electric, electric guitar? And why does that particular sound fit into your songs? I think it was more about the feel of the guitar than anything. I used to play acoustic guitar and nylon strings, and and my dad is an incredible classical guitarist and composer and songwriter, and I just was not at his level <laughs> at all. And then I started looking at Craigslist and found this silver Ibanez Artcore hollow body guitar that's on the stage right now, years ago, and... And I just remember I was just like in this guy's apartment in East Cambridge, just like checking it out with my dad present, of course, because, you know, teenage girl alone. And anyway, uh, patriarchy. But anyway, um, so I was there just trying out this guitar, playing it, and it just felt so right. And, and honestly, that feeling has not left. Like every time I play this guitar, it feels right. It's not actually it's not like an expensive guitar it's not a fancy guitar i've made no modifications to it which maybe i should but i just love playing it and i play with jazz strings so that i can slide up and down in my folky way up and down the frets um without making all that scratchy sounds you know and so this guitar is it's i guess it was more of a feeling that this is the guitar that felt right for singing for playing and and so it ended up being electric guitar for me it's also amazing how um how emotive electric guitar can be and i didn't realize that until i started seeing other songwriters playing an electric guitar and that you didn't have to be loud like it didn't have to be rock for you to play an electric Mm. guitar um and that was a a lovely realization so i'm happy to be playing this guitar quietly and powerfully (laughs) how about another song sure Here's the title track of my one and only EP, Salt. It's a song I wrote as a a process of acceptance of losing a friendship. But that's what it means for me, and whatever it means for you is what it means for you. So as long as it's healing, that's what matters to me. Nothing tells like wasting my time again. And nothing tells like wanting to cry again. And nothing tells like when I think of you, what a lonely thing to do. Rubbing salt in the I once knew you well, kind of loss 
this You look at me but you don't see me kind of lost Where every greeting feels like goodbye And nothing hurts like that voice in my head again The cruelest words that break through my thickest skin And nothing hurts like believing that it's true What a harmful thing to do Rubbing salt in the wound oh, And is it evident that I'm kind of lost? I question everything and I'm kind of lost And I don't know where I'm going, I'm kind of lost And every greeting feels like it feels like it feels like oh. Well, I never told you cause I didn't know I have a lot to say. First of all, nailed it. Do you guys, is, it, is that like not a Bonnie Raitt song? Ooh, high right? praise. Thank you. I mean, come on. That can't be the first time that you've ever heard that. It's so like a Bonnie Raitt song. Can somebody, Matt, can you send that to Bonnie Raitt? Oh, my God. Do you On know it. Bonnie? Really? Matt? What the heck? <laughs> I mean, you could shake the folk tree and get <laughs> Miss Raitt on the phone. But Okay, so I want to talk to you about friendship breakups. Because, first of all, I didn't know that that song was about a friendship breakup. Yes, I have many all people these... assume it's about a romantic breakup. Right. So friendship breakups are intense. Does so anyone ever experience friendship hard. breakup? And it's like something that, I mean, life doesn't prepare you for romantic breakups, never mind. But like friendship breakups, it's like you don't even, you can't even like really, talk, you don't even know how to talk about it. No. Yeah. There, yeah. There's, there are not a lot of songs out there about friendship breakups. So I wrote one to help myself through it, and I hope it helps you through it. And it's just, yeah, it, it runs so deep, but how do you even talk about it, especially if you have mutual friends and, and, and you're living in such a, a private culture <laughs> where you don't talk about what's hard with people. And 
Um, and also, it's never your fault. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to think so too, Cindy. Yeah, it's like never your fault. <laughs> yeah, it was no. never us. We had nothing. Anyway, <laughs> we won't get into specific situations, but... But it, it really does shake you down to your core, and it's, and it's painful in a way that... Yeah, I mean, when you get into a relationship, especially when, when you're you know, in your 20s or, what, or whatever, it's like you have an idea that it's probably going to end and you're probably going to be heartbroken. When you get into a friendship, though, before you have your first friendship heartbreak, you are not prepared. No, it's insulting. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's deeply painful. And when you have to see that person every day, it's also painful. And then, and then the, the whole process of that breakup, it's like there's no, there tends to be no even conversation about you breaking up. It's like you just stop spending time together, you see each other and you're polite and everything, but you just, you don't get to connect in the way you used to. And, and it's just, it's so bewildering and it just totally throws you off and, and, and it can haunt you. <laughs> totally. It really can. Oh, yeah. I had a real bad friendship breakup, and it definitely oh. haunted me for, like, years. Yeah. I'm so sorry that happened. It happens. It's happened to everyone in this room. You know? Mm. It's just a thing that, like, that, that's the thing that... Uh, the beauty of music that we were talking about mm. at the beginning of this interview, like, at the end of this, we'll all walk out being like, oh, yeah, all those people in, in that room tonight, like, have definitely experienced friendship. One thing in common that we all have, friendship breakup. <laughs> yeah. Yay, and it brings us together. Yeah, we're all beautiful. (laughs) We all suffer. (laughs) It's beautiful. So I want to talk about your voice because it's so beautiful and it just sounds like it was made for like that kind of style. Like Mm. you sound so honest and there's a really strong sense of emotion, pain, heartbreak. Um, Can you talk about how you might have cultivated your singing Mm. Besides the screaming game. <laughs> besides, besides the orchestra circa 2000. Well, one of my biggest vocal inspirations is in the room tonight, my mother, Rosy Amador. Uh, yes. Yes. If you, guys, if you guys haven't heard Sol y Canto, it's your homework. And, it, and you'll be very happy that you did. Because that being raised in that music and and being that vocalist's daughter just taught me so much about how um the emotion comes first i mean you tr- you train you learn how to sing healthfully you learn how to sing in tune and all of the technicalities um but but once you're singing once you're performing it's about about channeling an experience a story an emotion and and it's not about sounding perfect anymore. It's, it's about channeling that and letting your voice be the vehicle for that. And, and also singing healthfully, it requires all of your being. <laughs> you have to be healthy mentally, physically, emotionally. You have to take care of your whole being in order to really sing fully. So I think I'm getting lost in the tangent, but... Well, you know, it's interesting <laughs> to think about being healthy is that I've definitely heard from more than a couple of artists that they recognize that they are kind of not healthy in a way and that they're afraid to become healthy hmm. because they're afraid that that inspiration won't be there anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that is 
great yeah, to no, hear I'm you not, say yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not a part of that uh, school of thought. I'm really into being I healthy. am also <laughs> not a part of that school of thought. I think yeah. people should be mentally stable. Uh, yeah, I think people should take care of themselves. I mean, yeah. there, there's like, I just, yeah, I think people need to take care of themselves. And, and there's a part of me that like understands just by imagining their point of view of like, if all of my songs are written from, you know, this like dysfunctional state, like what's going to happen when I'm functional? And um, there's plenty of inspiration. It's going to get better. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. There's like, there, you don't even know what you'll write when you're healthy. But anyway, that's a different conversation. Yeah, singing for me, the, yeah, the way that I've cultivated singing is really thinking about the song as the vehicle for that emotion and studying my own voice and playing. I mean, you play music, it's play. It's, it's just an exploration. Mm. And it's just so lovely. I'm so excited to keep growing older and discovering new things about my voice and my body and life um, but vocally just in the last year there are new things that I discovered that I could do so it's just so fun it's so fun to grow into my voice and I'm curious to see what it'll be like in the years to come that's cool all right how about one more song sure right. yes so this is a song for all of the friends out there this is an ode to friendship and it's it's powerful powerful magic. I really think that, that uh, the world is always breaking and maybe it's our purpose on earth here to, to just be the fixer-uppers together. This song is called Together. piece of all this hurt some take it in some give it away among other things that I can't explain childlike wonders that wither and flicker and fade but when we're together opening heart it doesn't matter That you stay childlike blunders that cover up feeling afraid. But when we're together, wandering soul, we'll build a ladder and climb out of that hole. When we're together. Our only goal 
is to make it better when it all unfolds for it always does This is the point where I invite you to sing with me. I figure I can't use a looper for the life of me, but you guys could sing with me and we'll be singing together and looping our voices live just by singing and singing something again and again. It goes like this. Lisa Amador. Thank you so much. Basic Folk was produced by Adam Corey this week, along with Laura McCarthy. Uh, Lindsay Myers is our business manager. Alex Stanton of Townspeople does our music. Thanks to Club Passim and Matt Smith for being so generous and allowing us to have a live version of Basic Folk at Club Passim. If you're ever in Cambridge, go check them out, clubpassim.org. Also want to thank our sponsors one more time for Basic Folk. Basic Folk is brought to you in part by Tina and Her Pony, a queer duo bringing traditional Appalachian music and vocal harmonies into the 21st century. Visit tinaandherpony.com. And thanks to WIUP in Indiana, Pennsylvania, which airs Basic Folk 2 p.m. Eastern every Saturday. You can listen on 90.1 if you're in the Indiana, PA area or at their website, WIUPFM.org. I'm your host, Cindy House, and you can find more information, show notes at cindyhouse.net. You can sign up for our mailing list as well as our Facebook group, Basic Folk Basics and We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Bye.